And those of us that are not filled with his word are hungry. Jesus also said, if anyone comes to me, in no manner will I send him hungry away. Hallelujah. God wants to fill you in a fresh way this morning. Over the last three weeks, we have been looking at this. We have started this uh, teaching on the foundations of God's word. We're looking in Hebrews and chapter 6. The Bible says, therefore, not again laying the element, going back to the elementary principles or the basic principles of uh, the first principle we looked at was repentance from dead works, which means God is saying, don't go back to those dead works. And today we're going to look at the second elementary principle, foundational principle of God's word. And this foundational principle we're going to look at today is called faith. Everybody say it loud, faith. faith. Say it loud again, faith. faith. You say it like you got faith. faith. All right. The Bible says that faith is a foundational principle. And that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That if any man comes to God, he must come believing that God is and is, is able to, is a rewarder of them that seek him diligently. So until the last three weeks, we saw how, how there was a righteousness that came, not by works and all of that. But Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, For therein is revealed a righteousness from God, from faith Unto faith. Rights, righteousness means a right standing. A right standing with God. From faith unto faith. The only way, according to God's word, you and I can have a right standing with God is faith unto faith. Everybody say faith unto faith. Say it again. Say it again. Faith unto faith. Which means God wants us to go from one degree of faith to another degree of faith. He wants us to keep growing in our faith. And the Bible says that is a right standing before God. I mean, God says, you are standing in right stead with me if your faith is strong and that you will not, that it is not by your works, but by your faith. The Bible says that First John 5, 4, it says, for whosoever is begotten of God or born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, yea, even your faith. Faith is a foundational principle. God wants everything in our life to begin with faith. Why is faith so different from works? Because works, to do the works, you don't necessarily need a relationship. But if you really want to serve God, you really need faith. You really need the faith of God upon your life in a tremendous way. Now, if you would turn your Bibles with me to, uh, Roman, uh, to the book of uh, Genesis and chapter 22, we see the story of a man called Abraham. And you all know he is called the father of faith in Genesis and chapter 22. Now, it, the Bible says in 22 is a very, very interesting moment of his life. You know, all of Abraham's life was one of knowing God. It says in Genesis 22, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, now take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you. Now, if you go back in history, you suddenly realize that, that child sacrifice was actually very common in those eras, in those regions. So Abraham wasn't really the first one who in his knowledge or in his time, who took a child to go up and sacrifice in a place you know, where God was asking him to go. So he wasn't really the first one. He was just one more of the many people. 
but yet there was a difference in the way abraham did it everybody else would sacrifice their child unto an a god whom they were afraid of but abraham now was not sacrificing the child to get a reward from god he was ready to give up his child because of his love for god there are there's a huge difference between giving up something because of right and reward and there's a huge difference between giving up something because of love when you just know in your heart lord lord i know that i know that i know that you can come into the situation you can bring me deliverance you can just do something but lord i want to step into this new relationship with you you know there is there are stages in relationships there are some times in our relationship with god we haven't walked that road before we haven't been down that road we have not felt that encounter we have not been through that challenge we have not been through that problem we have been around the last corner we saw god pull us through the last corner but this is a new moment with god in your marriage you may be going through a moment where you need a new level from faith to faith in your business you may need a new moment from god in your studies in your situation in your family you may need a new moment with god and there is that's the moment god wants you to be careful to listen to his voice because in his voice is a faith that begins to build inside your heart that the voice of god begins to become very clear for your moment every time i've been through a challenging time in my life one of the things i have been careful to do is to ask the lord lord what is it that you have to say at this moment many times we look for a mighty deliverance but more than a mighty deliverance faith looks not for a miracle faith looks for the person through whom comes the miracle abraham began this new journey of faith and god said take your son your only son whom you love isaac and go to mount moria there was a specific location of obedience god tells him i want you to go to mount moria i don't want you to go to some other mount not mount zion not any other mountain some pretty mountain mount carmel or anything you like i want you to go to this mountain this is a specific mountain i want you to go on and when the bible says that god tells him you know abraham did not know that as he as a father was taking his son isaac and going up on top of mount moria father god was also planning to take his son one day and go up on the same mountain mount moria was the mountain on which mount calvary is part of it's the group of mountains god begin to play out and act out something that he himself was going to do and when god told abraham you see there are some mountains there are some mountains that everybody will go with you but there are some mountains you have to do that journey alone yourself where nobody can go that journey with you people will be there to comfort you people will be there to pray for you but that mountain is your mountain hallelujah amen that mountain is your mountain where you really need to say god 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 are you asking me to go up that mountain and then he says not only do you i want you to go up that mountain i want you to go up that mountain with the very thing that you love i want you to go up with that mountain with the one thing that 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 your entire life is now wrapped up around and that was isaac god wants us to make some journeys with the things we love and he says go up the mountain to the land of moria and offer him as a burnt sacrifice god gave a specific location for an act of worship some people sometimes when god asks us to do something we go half the way 
Lord, I'm willing to take my son, but I'm, why go up the mountain? You know, at home, I got a lot of place. Maybe outside the house, there's a lot of place. We'll build an altar there. You know, that some moments of God encounters will not happen until you go up that mountain. Until you go up that Mount Moriah where God has kept an encounter for you. So the Bible says, and so Abraham rose early in the morning. Everybody say early in the morning. Say it loud, early in the morning. Which means he was not dilly-dallying around. God, are you sure? Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, why are you doing this to me? No, the Bible says God said it. And he told Isaac, pack your bags. Let's go. We're going to go up that mountain because we have an encounter with God. Hallelujah. Some things about our life are moments of encounters. And we will never see a mighty deliverance unless we see God's encounter come through. Unless we go up that mountain. The Bible says, and he rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to a place. You can just imagine. He said, now what all do I need for this offering? And he splits the wood and he takes his son and he takes his two servants and they're going up the mountain. And there comes a time where the Bible says on the third day, everybody say on the third day. Abraham was a type of the father and Isaac was a type of the son. On the third day, the father had prepared a mighty deliverance through his son, Jesus Christ. On the third day, Abraham arrived with his son, Isaac, who was a type of Jesus. And on the third day, they come to this place and Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder. We will go worship and we will return to you. You see, what was Abraham doing? Many people say Abraham went up the mountain crying. Especially we saw in the movies like the Bible and all that. We see Abraham crying and, and going up the mountain and complaining to God. Why are you doing this? Why are you taking my only son? I don't think the maker of that movie read the Bible properly. Because the Bible says early in the morning, he got his servants together. He cut the wood. He said, come on lad, take the wood. Why? In the three days journey, at the end of three days, he suddenly sees it from a distance. And then he tells his servants, this is as far as you can come from here on. It's me and the lad. Some journeys we got to do it alone. But we are never really alone. We come to a moment where we feel nobody can do it with us. But we are truly not alone. He goes up that mountain with Isaac. And Isaac on the journey up, Isaac is asking him, Daddy, we have the fire. We have the wood. But, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? And Abraham looks at the lad and says, Jehovah Yireh. God has seen to it. When Isaac was carrying the wood, he did not know 2,000 years from then, one day the Son of God would carry his wood and walk up the same mountain. That God was prophetically enacting the deliverance for the nations of the world. God was prophetically enacting. He was bringing a moment of truth. He was bringing a storyline of faith. That God was able to do it. The Bible says he goes up the mountain and he says, Servants, you wait here. We will go and we are coming back. He didn't say we are going and there I'm going to give up Isaac and I'm going to come back alone. He says, this battle we are going together. We are coming back together. Amen. Hallelujah. We are not planning to stay there. We're not planning. I'm not letting, I'm not giving up this battle because this battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to go out there because if he said something, Amen. Say it after me. If he said something, he will do it. Amen. But it doesn't mean there's no battle. But then what Bill 
builds in that season of your life. What builds up in that season of your life is a faith. A faith so unshakable. Because for many, many people, faith is about what they can get for God. But when you look in the Bible, faith is very little to do about what you can get from God. God, will you bless me? There was a YouTube video that came out recently. It was about this pastor, a worship pastor of a multi, you know, of a large church, multi-site, multicultural, 10,000 strong congregation, the worship pastor and his wife. You know, the title said uh, they left, uh, they stopped following Jesus Christ after having pastored a mega church. The moment I saw that, you know, on, on the YouTube, I just listened to it. And I was, I was shocked in my heart to, to just to hear that, that one of the pastors of a mega church is now an atheist, stopped believing God altogether. And I kept listening. And I found out the person said, well, you know, we were young and we stayed holy and we did everything correctly. And we, we, we did not get into sexual immorality. We waited till God's time for marriage. We got married. We did everything properly. And then one day they made us the pastors. We got this great dream job in the mega church. We led worship. We, you know, we did stuff. So you can just imagine the worship leaders leading thousands, 10,000 people in week after week times of worship. But yet in their fundamental relationship with God, they had a transactional relationship. What was that relationship? She goes on to say, she, she, she says that my husband and I, both of us, we had this transactional relationship with God. We are holy, you will bless us. We, we stay good, you will bless us. You will anoint us, you will increase. She said, and we got this dream job, we got this car, we got this allowance, we got this home. Oh, it was so beautiful. Everything was going ready. But there was one problem. What was the problem? They didn't have a baby. It was the same problem that Abraham had. They didn't have a baby. And she began to pray and she began to tell God, God, give me a baby, give me a baby. And people in the church began to tell her, if you pray a little more, if you fast a little more, if you push a little more, if you ask God a little more, maybe God will give that to you. They were training her or they were pushing her in the same transactional relationship. Maybe if you do a little more, God will be a little more pleased with you. Maybe if you pray a little more, God will be pleased with you. And they got to a transaction. The problem with a transactional relationship is that our eyes are on the transaction, not on the relationship. And so much of Christianity's faith is about transaction. God, if I obey you, what will you give me? If I do this for you, what will you do for me? What will you give me in return, O oh God? If I fast, will you give me a breakthrough? If I worship, will you give me an anointing? If I give to the church, will you give me pressed down, shaken together till overflowing poured in my lap? Lord, what will you do for me if I will do something for you? And God is not into that transaction. Because the relationship with God has very little to do with the kind of business you do. Your relationship with God has everything to do with you as a person. That for God so loved, which includes you. The Lord so loved you that he gave Jesus. That if you would have faith, if you would believe in him, what is that? Faith. He says God loves you so much that he sent Jesus that if you will begin this journey of faith, Abraham began the journey of faith. God told him, come out of your country, come out of people and go to the land, I will show you. And there I will bless you, says the Lord. So he comes out of his country and he comes out there and he takes Lot with him and, and then suddenly Lot is now growing up and Lot's shepherds are increasing and there's a fight between 
well, your, your sheep, your shep, his shepherds and Lord's shepherds. And there was a problem that was going on. And God had blessed Lot also until one time there became a problem between these two. And God tells Abraham, tell Lot to take what he wants. And the Bible says Lot looked out and he saw those green lands. Mm. Sodom, Gomorrah, Zeboim, Adma, all those places, green land. And he told Abraham, said, I want that. A man of convenience will go after what he sees. With his eyes. A man of covenant will go after who he knows. The Bible says, for I know whom I have believed. He, they took away everything he had. The, the Greenlands. And Lord says, I want to go there. He says, okay, you have it. Uh, you just have whatever you want. And then God tells Abraham, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Not south and east and west. And all these lands around you, I will give it to you, says the Lord. God is a God who wants to give. God is a God who wants to keep his covenant with you. On the third day, Abraham is going up that mountain. And he tells the servants, you stay here because we're going to go up and we're going to return. And as Isaac is asking him, Father, you have the wood, we have the fire, where's the lamb? Isaac would have understood by that time that when he is going up that mountain and he is being tied up by his father, tied up onto the wood by his father and there's raising the knife to strike him. It was going to be a prophetic telling of what God the father was going to do. And while Abraham was up that mountain, while he was stretching forth his hand, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord cries out to him and says, hold your hand back. Don't kill your son because I've seen your faith. But what is interesting about that story is that when Abraham and Isaac when they were going up that mountain, they did not know. They probably did not know, or maybe they did, that, that in those regions, those who study the geography of those regions, they have found out that in those regions that there is no such ram like that on those mountains. Which means it was an impossible situation. Everybody say impossible. Come on. Say it again. Impossible. Say it again. Impossible. A situation was impossible. And in this impossible situation... Because they went to the right mountain with the right sacrifice. That is an act of faith, not an act of reward or transaction. He was able to give him up because he knew that God was able to give him back. He goes up the mountain, little knowing that while he was walking with Isaac up on this mountain, God the Father was walking a ram up on the other side of the mountain. And the only place they would meet would be at the altar. Some of your mighty deliverance will happen only when you lay it down at the altar. And you say, God, here is my son, my only son. God, my only son. I have no other. God says, this is the beginning of faith. Because through you, I will raise a generation. When it comes to faith, many people think, faith is about what I can get. It is not about what you can get. Faith is about who you know. Faith is about this God who you have begun this relationship with. 
The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says by faith so many of the people did so many things. But one of the things it says, by faith, the, 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 some of them were sawn in two, they were killed and they were done all of that. Some women got their husbands back from the dead while others gave them up for a better resurrection. Faith, no, is not transactional about, about, uh, about what you do for God and what God will do back for you. Faith is about who you have believed. That knowing that God is able to change your circumstance into something more powerful. If you look at Romans in chapter 4, there's a powerful scripture in Romans in chapter 4. I need you to look at this in verse 19 onwards. It talks about Abraham as he was building up towards the situation. Romans chapter 4 and verse, in fact, in, in fact for verse 16, verse 16 it says, For this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, the faith of Abraham. So a time comes in verse 17, it says, it is written, a father of many nations I have made you. You see, all God gave Abraham at that time was a promise. Everybody say promise. Say it loud again, promise. You see, Abraham was 75 years old. I'm sure Abraham's mind by now is running back before he was sacrificing Isaac. Maybe he was walking up the mountain. He had enough time to think through all of this. He was thinking that, that before this, maybe about 35 or 40 years before this particular incident, I do not know, by that time, he was thinking about when he was 75 that God gave him a promise. He was 75 when God gave him a promise. And then for the next 11 years, he's waiting. Is 86. When he was 75, he probably looked at his wife, Sarah, and looked at her and said, well, maybe she's still got it. She's only 60 or 65. I, I know it's, it's not possible, but she, she's still possible. You know? There are some seasons of your life when God gives you a promise when it's still a season where it's possible. At that time, you look and you're thinking, yeah, we know this situation. We got that contact. We know that person. That person will give me a loan for that, uh, for that problem. My business will come out of trouble. My health is going to... There's a season. You found out that there's a sickness on your body, but everything is still possible. Everything is going okay. Everything is going okay. And that was 75. And God, all God left Abraham with was a promise. And he said, through this, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham looked around. And he saw nobody. He said, I don't even have a son. But he had a promise. He didn't have the substance. But he was, what he had was faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is an invisible reality. Faith is seeing things before you ever see it. Faith is declaring things before you ever see it. Why? Why is faith a reality? Because faith has very little to do with feeling. Faith has everything to do with who promised it. Amen. Faith has very little to do with feeling. He was 75 and all God gave him was a promise. Everybody say promise. Say it again, promise. Now God looked at the promise and then looked at Sarah. Uh, Abraham looked at Sarah and said, well, maybe it's still possible. I know she's growing old. Maybe it's still possible. And then there was silence for 11 years. By the time another 11 years went by, he was 86 by now. And by the time he's 86, you know, by this time, Sarah is about close to 75, 75, 76. And by this time, he's thinking, uh, there's no hope at all. This is not going to happen. 
And when he is 86, she gives him an idea. What's the idea? Why don't you speak to Hagar and maybe I will allow you to have her. You know, you can, you can have her. I'm 86, I mean, I'm 76 now. You can have the girl. Have a baby of that lady. And they have Ishmael. He came up with his plan B. And Ishmael became a perpetual problem in the life of Abraham and Sarah and Agar. And Ishmael came and the Lord looked at Abraham and said, no, it is not through Ishmael. The deliverance is not going to come through Ishmael. And then there was a silence for another 13 years. What do you do when God gives you a promise and nothing happens? By the time another 13 years went by, Abraham looked at his body and said, this is, I'm 99. And he looked at Sarah and said, she's by now 89. This is absolutely impossible. When it comes to faith, what happens is many times that we look at our present circumstance. Verse 18 says, in hope, read that together with me. In hope, against hope, he believed. In hope, against hope, he believed. Which means, while there was no hope, even though hope was against him, he believed. Where there was no hope, he just knew this is hopeless, this is hopeless, this is hopeless. But what did he believe? He believed, but somebody gave me a promise. Amen. It's not possible, but there's a promise. I don't know how to get out of debt, but there's a promise. I don't know how this healing is going to happen, but there's a promise. He looked at his body, the Bible says. He holds on to the promise and he says against all hope in order that he might become the father of many nations according to which had been spoken socially descendants. We look at verse 19. Read that with me. What does it say? Verse 19 and verse 1. It says without becoming weak in his faith which means he was not crying up the mountain god why did you do this he he stood there you see many of us by now he's from 75 to 90 99 that's 24 years if you had to wait for a promise for 24 years by now you and i would have become weak and people will ask so many years no change in your life same situation oh how's your business oh going okay how long 10 years poker Gone case. It's not possible. But the Bible says, without what? Becoming. How did this man, 24 years, as the years went by, he got stronger. Amen. You know, I was, when I was a little kid, I used to watch this WrestleMania. How, how, you, how many of you watch uh, wrestling? You know, this fighting entertainment. When I was a kid, one of our heroes in those days was Hulk Hogan. How many of you remember Hulk Hogan? Oh, yeah. And you know, it was all the same. Eye of the tiger, the music playing, and he comes in, he tears his t-shirt, and, and then, you know, the, all the bad fighting begins. And after halfway through the fighting, you know, he's getting beaten up, he's on the ground, and then, you know, they have to count to three. So somebody will be grabbing his neck, and he's fainting, and he lifts his hand one, and it goes down. And they say, second time, lifts it, it goes out. Third time, if it goes down, he's gone. But third time, lifts it up, he's going down, and then he stops. It was the same in every match that he had. Just before it went down. And from there he'll start shaking and shaking and, and shaking until he stands straight. And the enemy will give him one punch and one final punch. He will stand up strong. Without becoming weak in his faith, the Bible says. Every punch the enemy gave him, he began to stand stronger. Not because he looked at his situation, but because he looked at the one who promised. Amen. Shouted at me, the promise. He looked at the 
one who promised refused to grow weak. How can you stay strong when everything is going against you? Because now it's beyond you. You've come to a place where you know now you need God. Years ago when I went up to, to missions, the Lord had called me to missions and I'd gone up. In those seasons, we'd have no money in my hand. Totally broke. No salary, no income, no promise, nothing. Nothing from any ministry, nothing from any organization. There are times I'd look at my wallet, it'll be empty. But I knew the one who promised. He would lay hands on that wallet and say, fill up in Jesus' mighty name. And nothing filled up. But it was not that I was looking for that kind of a miracle. Declaring the promise that God had given. Amen. Because it is impossible for God to lie. But the problem was, Abraham looked at his body and he said, this? <laughs> by, the, by this time, Abraham was saying, okay, Lord, now I know. It is impossible because this man don't get it. He doesn't have it. And he looked at the woman and said, uh. No, 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 no. This is not happening. This is 99. She's 90 probably by now. She, she's not. I know. Now, the Bible does say, you see, I think a supernatural miracle happened at that time. Bible says Abimelech saw her and he fell for her. Which means there was something supernatural. But Abraham knew. See, Abimelech saw the outside beauty. Abraham knew the medical situation. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you look at the sickness, you look at your sickness on your body and the sickness is telling you, oh, the pain is there. But see, faith, listen to me, faith has nothing to do with the pain. Faith has nothing to do with cancer being in your body. Faith has nothing to do with sickness being in your body. Then what is faith? Faith is, when you look at your body, you know that now it is beyond you. Abraham looked at himself and he said, it is too late. For me and for Sarah, but still on time for God. See, faith, listen, listen, listen. Faith relieves you from checking the medical reports. Amen. Because faith tells you the medical reports are true. Are you listening to me? Faith tells you, no, some people say, no, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. No, no, no. Faith actually says it's true. This is why you need God's promise. Faith has very little to do with that report being a lie. Faith has everything to do with God being true. Amen. The report is true. But God is the truth. So what did Abraham do? When he looked at Sarah, he says, Sarah... I know it's impossible. If it was 25 years ago, maybe it would have been possible. But now it's totally impossible. And he says, it says in verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he contemplated his own body, which means he looked at his body and said, this is as good as dead. Have you ever worked on a car that was so dead? So, I mean, when I say so dead, you drive by some places, all four-wheel punctured, the, the windshield is broken. You know, the engine is cranked up and separated. Now they're taking all the rubber spares that you don't get in the market anymore. They're taking it off the car. You know, like, like he's saying, you know, he says, when, when at 100, that's what I feel like. 
But God says, I'm going to do a miracle. But the problem is with the miracle, we begin to look at how much time has gone by. How bad is it? Is the air gone from all the wheels? Is the engine disconnected? When God looked at Jesus, the Bible says he was dead and in the grave. But the power of God for resurrection has nothing to do with the condition of the grave. Amen. It has nothing to do with your, the medical report. You can write the most terrible medical report and you can shelf it away because God's promise has nothing to do with that medical report. It has everything to do with what, who God is and what he's promised to you. Shout at me, there's a promise on my life. Come on. Amen. Your future is not the result of somebody's report. Your future is the result of his promise. Amen. I remember before I got saved, I studied in SB College, Chagnashari. There was this lovely English professor. Well, I should give it to you. I was a little naughty when I was in my 11th grade. Some of us were quite outstanding students in college. We, we were sent out quite often. From class. And there was this English professor, I forget his name, Francis, Augustine Francis, something, I forget his name. And I finished school and uh, college and went, he was a good man. And then I went on to med school and before that I encountered Jesus, I gave my life to God. A few years later I went back to college, I was walking by, I went, went for something. He saw, sees me there and he says, hi, you know, <laughs> you know, you know they, never forget, they never forget the naughty kind. <laughs> they, uh, professors never forget the backbenchers. They never forget the naughty ones. They, they never forget the outstanding ones because so often uh, <laughs> we are outstanding. He said, no, no, what happened? What's happening? Where are you? So I looked at him and I said, Sarah, I'm serving God. I'm a missionary. He looked at me for a while. Then he said, I always knew there was something good about you. Amen. Amen. Even though some things look impossible, we are not looking. What is the Bible saying faith is? Faith is not looking at your bills that are not paid. Faith is not looking at your baby that is not born. Faith is not looking at your situation of debt. Faith is not looking at your problems in the market. Faith is looking at the promise of God that he has made upon your life. Amen. Look at somebody and say it with a passion, for I know whom I have believed. Come on. Amen. For I know. He didn't say, for I know what God is going to do for me. He said, for I know who I have believed. Amen. Faith is a living reality. What is faith? Faith is a reality. He said he looked at his body and contemplated, this is as good as dead. And then he goes on to say, he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, some people say that Sarah was extremely beautiful. That's why at 99, Abimelech desired her. Okay? But the Bible proved, says that her womb was dead. Shut down. Garage closed. Nothing happening here. And now Abraham says, that is so dead that anything that happens from now has to be God. Amen. And then he said, Sarah, you ain't looking to me. I ain't looking to you. But we are looking to the promise. 
Everybody say the promise. Say the promise. Would you tell God right now, Lord, your promise is ever true. Say it again. Lord, your promise is ever true. Every promise of God is yes through us, in us, who say amen. Amen. God is saying yes to your situation, but your situation is looking worse. <laughs> Every time you go to God and say, God says yes, and you come back, it's got worse. And then, then 11 years later, next appointment. This is so such a mess between 75 and 86. Then you go back to God, 86, you encounter God again. Revival meeting, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. And God says, I will give you a child. Oh, yes. And you go back and nothing happens. And you go back to God again. By now it's 99, 24 years gone by. Do something. Because I told everybody, you're not a liar. I know whom I believed. And God says, you're going to have a baby. But before that, I want to use you. In what way does God use him? This is very, very interesting. The Bible says that Abimelech desired Sarah. And the Bible says that when this whole situation of Abimelech desiring Sarah happens, that, that God intervenes and God makes Abimelech's wives barren. By now, all that Abraham has is a promise. Everybody say promise. Say it again, promise. While he's having a promise, somebody else wants his wife. But she's going to give birth to Isaac. And when he has his wife, he goes there and God intervenes in that situation. And these guys don't have children. But check it out. This is very interesting. God tells Abraham, I want you to pray over Abimelech so that he will have children. Eh? So then you, you need to look at that. Some of you looking at me like you haven't read your Bible. <laughs> All right. uh, I want you to look at this. Genesis the Bible says in, uh, it says in Genesis in chapter 20, Genesis in chapter 20, verse 7. Now therefore restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, the Lord says. Abimelech had taken his wife, and he will pray for you and you will live. Now the only thing he says is that he will pray for you and that you will live. But if you don't restore her, know that you shall surely die and you and all that are yours. So Abimelech arose early in the morning, called all his servants. Told him these things. He says, guys, we've taken the wrong woman. This is a prophet's woman. I think we need to send him back. I'm not sure he wants her back because she's an old model. But we better send her back. Amen. Some, some guys are thinking, oh, my woman's an old one, old model. I need a new model. I want you to know if your old model doesn't come back to you, I want you to know curse will come upon everyone where that your situations are hanging on. But God is saying, send that old model back. Why? Because I have a promise. The promise that God is going to, God is going to come into that situation and bless them. And Abimelech says, whoa, whoa, bro, you didn't tell me this was your wife. What's wrong with you? Don't you want your wife? Abraham is like, my wife? You're really? Shut up, I know. God told me that's your wife. Now take her back. But listen what happens. He takes her back. God calls and he shares the gospel. God caused me to wander from my father's house. And I said, this is your kindness that you show me everywhere I go. You know, all of that. You know, all, all that, this one. And then God, Sarah says, behold, I've given you a brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it's your vindication before all of you here. Before all the men you're cleared. And the Bible says, and Abraham, verse 17. Look at that. Verse 17. And Abraham, read that with me. Prayed to God. And God healed Abimelech. And his wife and his maids so that they bore children. He prayed for his own wife nothing happened. 
Now he's praying for others' wife. They're getting pregnant. How many have been there? You've been there. You, you prayed over yourself in Jesus' mighty name. Nothing happened. Jesus' mighty name. Nothing happened. Jesus. Then you, you watch some good faith preaching. And then you say, fire. Jesus' mighty name. I'm self, and nothing happened. And you're passing by somebody. Say, can you pray for me? Yeah, be healed in Jesus' name. Healed. Huh? And, and Abraham, Abraham is like, why, why did that happen? Because Abraham knew it had very little to do with his situation. It had to do. With the timing of God. In the fullness of time. God sent his son. Amen. There are things in your life that will happen only in the fullness of time. Where God sent his son. Where he sends that situation onto your life. God sent his son. Abraham knew Romans 4.19. Abraham knew that the situation, he's, he wasn't wavering in his faith. And he looked at his body and he knew his body was as good as dead. There was nothing to happen. But in verse 20, verse 20, I want you to look at this together. Verse 20, come on, read it. Yet with respect to the promise. He compared two things. Verse 19, he looked at his body and he said, ah, nothing's going to happen from this. But then he said, look to the promise. He said, if something has to happen, it has to happen from the promise. He pitched the miracle on the one who promised him. And he separated his emotions from the electricity bill payments. Amen. He separated his emotions from the lack of salary raise and the profits not breaking even. And the debts that are mounting. He just separated it. And he said there is one thing we're going to focus on. And that's the promise. Now some people they go after the promise. Without knowing the one who promised. And I think that's a terrible place to be. Because when you come face to face with the promise. There's a covenant attached to the promise. What is the covenant? You walk before me. And you'll be blameless. Which means. Let's have this relationship, God is saying. You and me. Let's team up. I read something so powerful. It just blessed my life so much. I, was, I read one day that in the land of Ur and those regions, that, that the name of the God, the, whom they called the unknown God, the name of the unknown God in those regions was called Ham. They addressed the, they had names for every God and then they had a name for the unknown God. The God we didn't, we don't know. And the name of that God was called Ham. And God comes to Abram and tells Abram, you and I, we're going to get into a friendship where you're going to be my friend and I'm going to be your friend. We're getting into a covenant, say covenant. And in this covenant, I'm going to carry your name. And you are no longer going to be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. God attaches his name to Abram's name. And he says, you're no longer Abram. You are Abra of the unknown God. You're going to represent everywhere you go. They will know you as the man of the unknown God. But the name Abraham was no longer begin to be called father of many nations. You can just imagine Sarah started calling him. No children, but Sarah is calling him. Hey, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. 
and now they're thinking this 99 year old lady has lost it you know she's growing little old she's senile she's dementic she's all of that it's abraham father of many nations father of many nations and, and he's calling a princess <laughs> and others looking at a princess womb as good as dead princess father of many nations father of many nations but what was she doing she was not calling the man she was calling the promise the promise he said yet with respect to the promise of god come on what happened he did not waver in unbelief he didn't shake with unbelief he didn't think today oh today today my body is hurting that that that, that cancer is spreading ah oh, the pain is too much see that pain had nothing to do with the promise but today i'm feeling better that has nothing to do with the promise the feeling better has nothing to do with you being healed and the feeling worse has nothing to do with you not being healed because it has nothing to do with what you're feeling faith doesn't walk on your feeling faith has nothing to do with your emotion faith has nothing to do with your situation faith has nothing to do with political environments faith has nothing to do with the dead squad faith has nothing to do with the lenders that are coming for your money faith has nothing to do with your family who says we'll give you nothing from the inheritance faith has everything to do with the one who promised i know that my redeemer lives I know that 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 I know I've remembered the number of times of laid hands on our refrigerators said Jesus fill it up fill it up lord fill it up lord fill it up lord fill it fill it fill it fill it fill it lord fill it fill it fill it wallet is empty lord fill the fill it lord in Jesus name amen and I didn't open to see if it was filled because I knew that was his responsibility but I also knew that I was in a position without money because I chose to serve God that was my faith that brought me to that position come on are you listening to me my faith got me there my faith will get me out of there amen my faith knows how to get me out of there i'm in that situation because of my faith but i'm coming out come on tell somebody i'm coming out come on i'm coming out it's because of the promise because of the promise that god is promising it says without with respect to the promise he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith everybody says strong say it again strong say strong say look at somebody say i'm getting stronger the time's getting longer i'm getting stronger come on say it again the time's getting longer but i'm getting stronger I want you to know it builds in you a tenacity. It builds in you a tenacity where you take your eyes off the situation and you say, "Father, all I want is you. All I want is you." Lord, it's not the business, it's not the debts, it's not the money, it's not the it's not even the ministry. It's not even about you using me. It's not about any of this. All I want is you, Lord. he did not waver in the unbelief he grew strong in faith and the bible says giving glory to god in the midst of his situation where he had no children and 24 years down the road the 
Bible says he chose to give glory to God. He says, I know whom I believed. I know my situation is bad, but I give glory. You see, your situation isn't about you. Your situation is about glory to God. Your situation isn't about your pain. Your situation is about glory to God. The doxa, the weight of his glory. That God allows you to go through that. He said, so that he can have glory. Giving glory to God. He said, this month, Sarah, are you pregnant? No, glory to God. Glory to God. Sarah, I'm 76. Are you pregnant? No, Abram. Glory to God. Glory to God. Sarah, I'm 80. Are you pregnant? No, glory to God. Glory to God. 86. Oh, it's too late. Let's have, through Hagar, let's have Ishmael. They had Ishmael. Praise God. And they're having the birthdays and celebrating. And God says, that wasn't the one I was talking about. You know when they had Ishmael? God tells Abraham, the one you had through Hagar is not the one. I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And his name shall be called Isaac. Before she's pregnant, God's giving him a name now. He's saying there's going to be a male child. His name is Isaac. Okay, what do you want me to do? Hagar and Ishmael, send them out, send them out. Next month, Sarah, are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. Can you see what, what he did? Every, his situation did not change his praise. Amen. His situation did not change. His, his pain did not change his praise. But I, one day I heard such a powerful statement. Somebody said like this. I don't know who he is. But he said like this. He said, if you knew my pain, you know my praise. If you, if you know what I went through, you'll know why I'm praising him like this. Hallelujah. If you just knew, every time Sarah didn't conceive, 90 years old, Sarah, are you conceiving? No, I'm not. Glory to God. Glory to God. He did not cease giving glory to God. He gave glory to God. And the Bible says, and being fully persuaded that, he, that what he had promised he is able to do. Amen. What he promised, he is able to do. Every eye closed in the presence of God today. Thank you, Jesus. Many of you are going through a situation and all you have is a promise from God. That's all you need. That's all you need today. You're looking at your situation, you're saying it's impossible. Open your mouth. Begin to talk to God right now. Talk to Him. Allow Him to come into that situation. Allow Him to come into that situation. He's a God of impossibilities this morning. He's a God of the impossible this morning. He's a God of faith. Hallelujah. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Hallelujah. Oh, his promise has nothing to do with your situation. His promise is going to bring glory, 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 glory to God. Just say, Father, have the glory. 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 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is your moment with God. Talk to God right now. Hallelujah. Ask Him to come into that situation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Zoro shamantale kiriya sorobabantabasa kaladineshere. Kofabasanyanamakare. You do not receive what you ask because the Bible says you ask with wrong motives for your own ambitions. But when you ask, you ask to bring glory to God. Get your eyes back on the glory to God. Get your eyes back on the glory to God. Father, this morning I just sense in my heart there are so many people here that you, if you have not reached your destination and you are in transit, praise Him in the transit. Hallelujah. Praise Him in the meantime. Praise Him. Praise Him. I just sense there is a glory that God is just releasing this morning. If you are in that situation and you're in a situation where you, you've been asking God, I want you to, as a sign of faith, I want you to stand up on your feet. But we are not standing up because of a need. We are standing up because of a promise. We are saying, God, there is a promise that is on my life. I'm not standing up because I don't have a breakthrough. I don't stand up because I'm not seeing a miracle. I'm not standing up because I'm begging you. I'm not standing up because I need you to intervene. I'm standing up because I'm saying, God, I have a promise on my life. And I'm not letting go of my promise until you fulfill everything that concerns that promise. Because you are a promise-keeping God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you. Lift your voice and praise Him while He is a God of promise. Praise Him. Praise the Lord that your breakthrough will come. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him for the promise. 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 Praise Him. Forget yourself. Forget your situation. Forget your neighbors. Forget your family. Forget your people. Forget your friends. Praise Him for the promise today. on top of the mountain. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I just thank you. 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 Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 